This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. So, Dave, I, I did something last night that uh, may shock you. Let me see. You uh, took a class in horticulture. I did not. Okay. I took my son, Tommy, to Depeche Mode at the United Center. It was a uh, his know, birthday alive. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You know, we were talking about this a little bit off the air. Um, Depeche Mode sold out the United Center. That's pretty amazing. I, yeah. It was, you know, what, 18,000? Yeah. I don't think the Who sold the who, out. I was going to say the Who didn't sell out yeah. the United Center. They're huge. Yeah. They're huge. And you know what? A, it was a great show. Uh, very, you know, techno pop. Um, but they had some rocking songs, yeah. too. But here's the story I wanted to tell you. There's a couple of songs where they bring out a bass guitarist. Okay. All right. Paul McCartney? No, I think I think one of the four guys plays bass, but they usually don't use the bass guitar in their songs. Yeah. And the the couple of songs that they did, the whole United Center was just like throbbing with bass. Yeah. And I felt the reverberations <laughs> of the pins. metal pins in my arm. <laughs> For real. So I, mean, I felt them like <laughs> That's how much bass there was at the show. Wait, last was it time. painful? Uh, no, it was kind of uh, I don't kind know, of a little stimulating, yeah, a little there. tingly, it was really a little tingly. Uh, yes, just like when you're about to do a podcast, you get a little it, tingly, right? Yeah. How like, are the pins now in your arm right before we do our show? A little tingly, right, because we're about to do minutiae. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is minutiae with Rick and Dave. Uh, kind of an unrelated. Not that that's surprising. Uh, when we dropped off Lila for, for in Champagne mm-hmm. for her first, you know, the crying one. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the whatever, August yeah. of 20, whatever yeah. it was. We never had that. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a guy, there was like a SUV behind us while we were, you know, you know how you pull the car up in front yeah. of the dorm and whatever. This dude had, was... It was like Spinal Tappy 11 on, of this song that was just, just this bass. This yeah. Right? And I remember getting to a point. I'm like, I gotta, I'm going to throw up. I mean, it wow. was. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I've i got a very. Yeah, you're very old. I've, I've got a delicate, con- I have a delicate constitution. I will say this crowd um, was a little older, uh, uh, at least in my section. Everybody was. Well, when were they yeah. huge? In the 80s? Yeah, but the, the thing is about this band... I don't remember them ever really being huge. They were never huge. They yeah. were never... Like, they didn't get played on the radio a lot. Just a couple of their songs yeah. got played on the radio. But they're like the Grateful Dead of Technopop. They mm-hmm. have these fans that travel around, and they sell out these huge auditoriums. They sold out the Hollywood Bowl. Wow. Depeche I, Mode. I don't think I can name you two songs. Well, I can now. Yeah. Was it a male, female? Was it a That was mix? pretty even. Yeah. It was pretty even. And, you know, it was fun watching the uh, people like our age. Mm-hmm. Um, guys that, you know, like it'd be, uh, you know, a guy you'd sit next to at the Little League game. Yeah. Get up and just start dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, was it, I just can't get enough. <laughs> I just can't get enough. Was it bad middle-aged white guy dancing? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, with, the, with, the, with people doing the thing with their lips. Yeah, and you know what? The other thing, 
the other thing was uh at one point the singer uh, dave something or other uh started waving his hands back and forth over his head yeah did he, well, uh, did he pull a hamstring no well, you can't do uh, that i can't do that <laughs> that was not, rude that, I you can't, flaunting it in front of you i can't lift my arm that high well when we when i saw paul mccartney in new york what's the last year that dude what is he 80 yeah uh yeah, because it was like two days before his birthday. We sang happy birthday to him. Mm. Um, he was up for three hours. I know. Standing. I know. I'm like, I can't sit for three hours yeah, without being not just standing, like no, dancing like, right, and you know, yeah, moving across right, the stage. Going on and, the yeah. scaffolding yeah. thing and whatever. So, I don't know. Well, I'm getting tired just thinking about this, so we should probably get going. We got okay. a big show today. Um, Rick, this first story, this is kind of a publishy story. It's like a literary story, oh, kind of. And we are and publishers. Yeah. Oh my God! I mean, yeah. aren't you on in the literary Chicago Literary Hall of Fame board, board? member? I don't yeah. like to brag. And I'm a board member at the Chicago Writers Association. Right. We're, let, me, let me ask you a question. Yeah. This, and I know that no one's listening right here. Um, how many times are you at like a board meeting and they start talking about an author that everybody else seems to know who they are and you have no idea who they every are? meeting <laughs> I every Google meeting. all the time when yeah. they start with at the Chicago Literary Hall of Fame board meetings like, yeah. oh, Jackie Mahugi. Like, yeah. I, I loved her book on <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Is that out in paperback now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, speaking of books, this is a headline out of Venice, California. It never ends. Meet the book club that spends twenty that spent twenty eight years reading Finnegan's Wake. Oh God! James Joyce's Finnegan for a quarter century. Gary or Jerry Fialka, an experimental filmmaker from Venice, California, has hosted a book club devoted to a single text: James Joyce's Finnegan's Wake, one of the most famously difficult texts in literary <laughs> yeah, no kidding. In history. Have you ever read it? No. <laughs> What? Stupid question. <laughs> Starting in 1990, have you? I have. No way. I have. Really? I took a, well, in literature course in, in, uh, in college. Year Did you mind. understand any of that? No. Yeah. No. Well, starting in 1995, between 10 and 30 people would show up to a monthly meeting at a local library. At first, they read two pages a month, eventually slowing to just <laughs> one page because it just became too hard. At that pace, the group, which now meets on Zoom, reached the final page in October. It took them 28 years to get through. Can I... Uh, can I pose a yeah. controversial opinion? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why? If you are so difficult to read that it takes a, a group of people 30 years 30 years to make it through your book is it possible you're really not a, a literary genius or you are the greatest scam artist and the greatest <laughs> troller ever in the history of the world right so they spent like i said they spent the california reading group spent longer than reading finnegan's wake than it, it took joyce to write it so it's 628 eight, a 628 pages and it, it seems like 7,000 uh, it took him 17 years to complete including a four year stretch when he's like I don't want to do this and then he goes back and uh, Fialka who started the group in his early 40s who's now 70 this is what he said after he got done with the book he goes I don't want to lie it wasn't like I saw God it wasn't really that big of a deal so there you go right wow um, so I wanted so I went on Goodreads, and I thought I'd share some reviews. Of Finnegan's Wake? Of Finnegan's Wake. Okay. Uh, this is from Sean Bars, who has 1,120 reviews and 45,000 followers, so not too shabby. Yeah. Sean Bars. Um, 
Here's his review. I take no shame in admitting that I cannot read this book. I was defeated after three paragraphs. For example, here is a typical passage, and I had never read. Yeah. So uh, here's this is an actual passage from the book. What clashes here of Will's Gen wants, Osti gods, gag and fishy gods, bricky, bricky, kicky, kicky, bricky, cricky, claxy, clocky, cloaky, uni, oo, where the Bandleberry's partisans are still out to Mathmaster, Melchus, Migraines, and the Vahushians. And Green Clovers. <laughs> right. I could read a Lucky Charms box. <laughs> um, I can't even decipher what the hell this means. Yeah. Right? Um, here's another review that I think is great. This is from Freddie. Anyone who says he likes this is a complete LARPer. <laughs> it is fake as a Chappaquiddick neck brace. In a way, this book is valuable. If someone says they like it, Take one of those fancy Black & Decker nail guns and point it at their genitals. You'll do a mankind a favor. Rotten hell, you Irish piece of shit. Uh, the good news? You want to know the good news? Yeah. The Kindle version's of 99 cents. Oh, So hey. everybody just go out there. And what a deal. The value. I mean, it's 99 cents for 38, 28 years of entertainment. I have read three James Joyce books. Ulysses. Ulysses, yeah. a portrait of the artist as a young man, mm -hmm. and Finnegan's Wake. And I disliked all three of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. So, I mean, so this was for a class that you. They, yeah. Right. Yeah. Who, the whole class was Irish literature. Did, did you at least do it in a bar? No. <laughs> no. No. I mean, I'm actually wearing a no. Guinness sweatshirt. And the guy, uh, the TA who, who taught this class was like a. Uh, a parody of an Irish uh, writer. Okay. I mean, he, yeah. he, he had the uh, elbow, the, the pads, the pads uh, on uh, the elbow. He smoked a pipe. Yeah. In class. In class. Right. Those, yeah. were, those were the days where you could smoke in <laughs> class. All right. Well, I have a story that's mm -hmm. uh, just slightly different than yours. Um, this is a story about Kim Kardashian. Oh. Um, she, I don't know if you know this, but she is a climate... Uh, activist or activist a... yes so she's for global warming is what you're saying uh, no no <laughs> uh, you know anti okay. you know global warming um so much so that she has released a a new bra a brazier a okay. brazier okay. which you think now how does that tie in exactly to global know. warming well here it is this is the the copy on the side of the package right. ready the Earth's temperature is getting hotter and hotter. The sea levels are rising. The ice sheets are shrinking. And I'm not a scientist, but I do believe everyone can use their skill set to do their part. That's why I'm introducing a brand new bra with a built-in nipple. So no matter how hot it is, you'll always look cold. Some days oh, are hard. Oh, I see what's going on yeah. here. Okay. Some days are hard, but these nipples are harder. And unlike icebergs, these aren't going anywhere. Wow. Wow. Now, that is as a marketing a professor, <laughs> I think genius. Now, I think the name of the of this thing, it's called the ultimate nipple bra. Okay, is a little too too on the nose. Okay. Um, luckily, I got my hands on the brainstorming session where they were trying oh. to come up with a name. Okay, you did, did you? Yes, okay. I did. How'd you yes. do that? That's well, I, you know, I know people. I'm you know in show business, <laughs> so they sent it to me in list form. Um, would you like to hear the discarded names? Sure. All right. Here we go. Nubbin. Nubbin. Okay. Purple Nurple. Sensitive Chest Raisin. Niplash. Walrus. Mamaroni. 
Nuns, Cuddle Nugs, Chess Pepperoni, Puffy, Hooberry, Guggenheim, Cherry Tower, Dinner Plates, Fried Eggs, The Niebler, Nipsicle, Powdered Donut, Chinese Hat, Binky, Monkey Toe, Hariolas, Sombreros, Aunt Mary's Goat, Midget Pinkies. <laughs> Aunt Mary's Goat? Hey, it's on the list. <laughs> the Old Hucklebuck. Montana brow caps, Canadian ham, <laughs> bologna cannons, and Polish casserole. Those were all considered. Re- really? I So you didn't happen to possibly <laughs> search weird names for nipples? What? <laughs> no. What was the what was the Guggen- Guggenheim? Guggenheim. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> the Guggenheim bra. Uh, hey, we got a review. Okay. Uh, unframe of mind writes on Apple Podcasts. Rick and Dave really bring attention to topics that you should be paying attention to. <laughs> like yeah. like Ulysses yeah. and, and, nipples. and nipples. As well as tangents that nobody would ever care about. But yeah. somehow you do carry about you do carry about care about them. Okay. There you go. With a semicolon or not a semicolon, a colon and a D. That's like a smile, right? What's the Yeah, I think so. Semicolon. Yeah. Okay, smile. So you, thank you, uh, Unframe of Mind. Unframe of mind? Unframe of mind. All right. You know, you can rate us. I don't know if people know this. And uh, I think the only uh, rating you're allowed to give is five, five stars. Five I think stars. that's how they work it on yeah. the sites. Yeah. Give us five stars. Uh, go to any of the podcast centers. We, that, are, at, uh, we are literally on every podcast. All of them. Yes. Podcast. Uh, you can also go to opishows.com, mm-hmm. which uh, is hippo backwards. Mm-hmm. Easy to remember. That's right. Um, and you can find our other show, which is called Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Right. And sometimes we feature that in this feature, which we call Studio Walls. Time now for Studio Walls. And the words of the prophets were written on the studio walls. So if you remember last week's show, Dave, you, you mentioned to me that uh, your daughter yeah, was... Lila was uh, in Sister Act. She was Mother Superior. Right. And it's great. I mean, she was fantastic. And... Glenn Slater, our buddy, wrote the lyrics. Yeah. Um, And also, this week in uh, 2010, the movie Tangled was released. And he talked about uh, Mandy Moore. Isn't that who? Yeah. yeah. And he he wrote all the lyrics to that. Um, And actually, my favorite part of this interview... Was when we got into the nitty gritty discussion of oh, when you how to out, do when you lyrics. dorked out. With, I totally dorked out because he knew a lot about your parody work. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe he didn't at the beginning of the interview, but I'm sure by the end of the interview, he's like, he was googling me um, or Guggenheiming at you. <laughs> Aunt Mary's goat. I, yeah. I really don't get most of those. I'll be honest with you. Um, so let's play a little clip of uh, Glenn Slater and I and Dave. You mm-hmm. hopped in this too, talking about yeah. You know, I've noticed that all these uh, yeah. excerpts that you play, yeah, I'm like never. It's always you. Well, you know, you're they, in charge of the board. What the hell? What are you gonna do? Here it is. Um, Dave and I are, I've written lyrics before. <laughs> you know, I've, we we wrote a uh, stage musical, which was actually a, a parody of we're because we're comedy writers. So to West Side mm-hmm. Story, we wrote a a. Uh, uh, rumble between the Cubs fans and White Sox fans here in Chicago. Let me look at my Tony and my... Uh, where's the Tony for this? <laughs> but also, I was a writer for uh, for a radio morning show, and so I wrote you know, uh, parody lyrics all the time. So I want to get to uh, talk to you. I've never talked to a professional lyricist before, so I have some questions for you. And one is, 
you know, words obviously very important. You can't squeeze in too many. You have to hit the big message on the right notes. You have to have important words that are not swallowed up in notes that are difficult to hit and therefore understand. You have to understand the words. There's so many things that go into being uh, a lyricist that the, the, the layman doesn't think about. What to you is the biggest challenge of writing lyrics? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, the, the process that you just described is very much what it is. It's not like writing a short story and it's not like writing poetry where you just sort of flow with what you're thinking and feeling. It really is in some ways almost more like doing a mosaic. And particularly for me, you know, again, I work with two of the greatest melody writers ever. And unlike a lot of people in this industry, we generally do music first. Right. Um, you know, both of them are very good at sort of reading through a scene, understanding what the emotional story is that they want to tell and translating that into a melody. And then I'm given that melody and I have to sort of figure out, all right, how do I put the words on here that then shape that melody into the specifics and push the narrative and capture the characters and do all that sort of stuff. And so it is almost like going syllable by syllable, note by note, dropping things on and seeing what sounds right, what sings well. What gets the point across? Wow, that I is that, cool. I think the hardest part is being able to sort of focus simultaneously on that micro and the macro. Because while I have to make sure, yes, I'm not, you know, the last note is not an E sound because that's really hard to hold. Or making sure that I'm not putting consonants together, you know, like ending a word with a K and then starting the next one with a K because those K's get swallowed together and you can't understand what the two words are. So a lot of thinking on that micro level, but then also I have to think about what is the title? How does that fit in with the other songs? How does that fit in with the overall theme of the story? How can I, if, if we want to reuse that song later, how is that, how, how can twisting that title or that hook around push the story forward in the third act the way it did in the first act and yet provide a new thought? And so it's, it's, it's putting a lot of different levels of meaning onto anything at one time and sort of holding that all in your head while you're working is, is probably for me, the hardest part. Well, you should it's also really the do, most rewarding part. You That's should right. really do this for the living, for your living. Cause this is, you're fantastic <laughs> at this. You really know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, everybody does it differently. I mean, for me, it's, it, it feels like I'm constantly trying to squeeze my, square head into a round hole yeah i'm sure for other people it comes easier but it's definitely a uh like it's it's holding a lot at one time and just trying to keep your balance wow that's great so was this the process was that the process you used for king of farts yeah it was it was (laughs) hearts farts uh well you know don't besmirch me uh when i was listening or when we were at sister act and I really concentrated. Uh, so we saw the show twice, and the second time I really concentrated. Later. They're brilliant. I yeah. Mean, they, and he's really funny. I know. I mean, I mean just. Uh, and that's the other thing when you're writing uh, a funny song, you have to have the punchline hit at, exa- the, right, at you know exa- at the right. right time. Oh yeah. Well, there's that song. Um, I think it's I haven't got a prayer. I don't know whatever. And it's the mother superior lamenting about, you know, now that it, their church is becoming so huge because I don't know. Are you familiar with the uh, yeah. sister? Act yeah, or whatever? yeah. And then there's this one that, that she's lamenting about how, you know, not even just Christians are coming to our show, you know, our services. Now there's transvestites and whatever, and even a handful of Jews and yeah. the way that and it was perfectly 
you know, and my daughter did it perfectly too, but the way it was perfectly set up in the song was just, it accentuated just phenomenal, and it rhymed, and it was just... You know what it reminds me of? Finnegan's Wake. Yeah. 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 Hey, James Joy, talk to Glenn Slater the next time you write what some 600-page thing. Hey, um, speaking of highbrow humor, yeah, I got something else for you. <laughs> okay. Missing pig named Kevin Bacon reunited with his owners after help from... Kevin Bacon. Oh, ooh. I know, right? Lots of layers here. The pig, whose name must surely bring to mind his own mortality. Yeah, can you imagine being a pig and being named Kevin Bacon? Come on, man, that's not cool. He had been on the run for two weeks from his Pennsylvania home, causing distress to his owners. Yeah. Chelsea or Chelsea Rumbau of Cumberland Township, Pennsylvania, um, brought the pig, uh, who and bought the pig, named him. Uh, you know, Kevin Bacon, um, on October 13th. Two days later, the pig left. He's like, hmm. yeah, I don't like the looks of this, <laughs> you know, and I got a problem with it. Yeah, so I've he, got a funny feeling I know what's going to happen here. Yeah, I saw Charlotte's Web. Yeah. This is, uh, and he ran away. Well, they went to social media, obviously, and, go, you know, where's my pig? They put it, and guess who tweeted, retweeted it? And help them find the pig, Kevin Bacon. I love it. Help spread the word. Help spread the word of the missing bacon, or missing pig. The family um, seems to have big plans for Kevin Bacon's future now that he has gotten over his wild adventure phase. When asked what's next, Rumbau replied, "Thanksgiving." Oh, oh man. man, I think she was being a little wow. So wow. Um, but thank you, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. That's a nice story. That is. And then while I was researching Kevin Bacon, yeah, totally another aside, he d- makes these pancakes uh, with just almond butter, bananas, and cinnamon. No. No flour. They look great. I'm going to try them perhaps. You know that whole uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon yeah, yeah. thing? Um, just for all of our listeners that know me personally, mm-hmm. you have two degrees of separation because I have met Kevin Bacon. Wow. So you have. So anybody who knows me. Is you, just two degrees away. When did you meet? I met him at the Loop, like you know, thirty years ago. Nice guy. Well, I talked to him for like eight seconds, right, so just, you know. Please sit. Here, I have sir. no stories other than I met him, and I was thinking when I met him. Oh, I'm one degree of separation <laughs> right now. I'm, there's <laughs> no separation between me and you. Right and now. I'm sure that everyone Everybody, else that meets right, him thinks the right, same yeah. thing. I can't wait to tell cousin Jack because. Yep. Uh, now he's three degrees. Left. I got a story for you. All right. This is also an animal story. Uh, it's mating season for crocodiles in Queensland, Australia. Uh, and apparently it arrived earlier than normal this year. The owner of a crocodile farm in the state is blaming the early start on helicopter activity in the area. Just kind of, I, it kind of reminds me of the uh, reverberating yeah, arm right. thing. Yeah. Did that make you horny when you? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, Chinook helicopters or Chinook helicopters flown by the armed forces in the area sent male crocs at John Lever's Kurana Crocodile Farm into a mating frenzy. The male crocodiles all seemed to respond to the helicopters flying overhead and then went at it. Went at it. So why are helicopters making the crocodiles horny, you may ask? Well, your guess is as good as any, but experts have offered up a reason, and they this is what they said. Experts aren't sure why, but they think the helicopter may have sounded like a thunderstorm, which often gets these reptiles randy also. Oh, really? So thunderstorms apparently do it for them. Now, these are male crocs, 
Yeah. Right. So if I can offer some other suggestions <laughs> that may be causing them to get get horny, it could be uh, wind, air, <laughs> yeah. sunshine, darkness, morning, <laughs> noon, night, <laughs> Monday, gravity, Tuesday, gravity, Wednesday. <laughs> gravity. <laughs> That's so, my theory. So with this, now if so, perhaps I don't know if it works with the other gender. Yeah. Uh, if we rent platoon or apocalypse now before going to bed perhaps that might be maybe that might be well i think i think the uh the humans uh are we talking about having humans watch this with my lovely wife yeah the problem isn't uh you know that we need to get hornier right that's not the problem okay the problem is opposite of that well i was thinking well maybe i'll take a shot at it maybe Honey, let's watch Apocalypse Now again. Why? It's just like a thunderstorm, honey, if you know what I mean. Let's go see Miss Saigon. You hate Miss Saigon. I know, but let's just go see Miss Saigon. Have you ever heard that Billy Joel song, Good Night Night Saigon? It's got the helicopters in it, too. All right. It's time for one more feature. A random name pulled out of Rurik's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. So in the last couple of weeks, there have been some pretty obscure uh, celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, today, it's the opposite. Oh, yeah, this, is, huh? this is an A-lister uh, for sure. And it's from Alex. And I'm not sure if Alex is a man or a woman um but i went to college at the university of pennsylvania in the 1990s and you'll never guess who one of my classmates was all right 90s pennsylvania elon musk oh he was in my econ class and we worked together on a group project he was already rich then he came from money but so did most of my classmates at penn I remember one conversation I had with him. We were talking about our favorite books, and his favorite book was... Was Way. No. <laughs> it was Lord of the Flies. <laughs> okay. Okay. And well, then it, and this ends with, I never realized he was South African, by the way. I thought he was Canadian. <laughs> okay. Lord of the Flies actually does... Kind of fits him, doesn't kinda it? Kind of fits him, yeah. yeah. Just eating people and whatever. Uh, hey, so there. That's actually... That's, that's actually a... That's a great one. Yeah, I like it too. Who's the uh, most famous person you had a class with? That I ever had a class yeah, with? In college. Um, jeez, nobody. I, I think. Um, I mean, I had a Nick Anderson. Oh, oh no, maybe not even. Yeah, I don't think here. so. Yeah, I had nobody. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. All right. So, um, if you want to send us your celebrity brushes, uh, please do. Uh, you can send it to us via email through our uh, Twitter page. By the way, I was on our Twitter uh, page the other day. Uh, you know that you've posted five times this year. Yeah, I lost right. the it is. Uh, it's November. <laughs> I lost the pass. Oh, did you? <laughs> I know. Allegedly, people, yeah. you can still reach us through yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, um, we're also well, on Elon. Uh, you know. Is Twitter even around anymore? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, that's a good point. Not Canadian. Um, anyway, please send those in. We'd like to like to hear from you. Uh, this show has been produced by uh, Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Mm-hmm. and then Ed Silla distributed it for us. He did. And where's he from? 
I think Chicago. No, with RadioMisfits.com. He's from Canada. And we'll be He's back again. South Africa. Now, are we going to do a show next week for Thanksgiving no. week? No. So, no. so. Oh, I'm going to Vegas Monday. Okay. You may never see me again. <laughs> So uh, words that you want to hear from your business partner. I'm going to Vegas and you may never see me again. But do me a favor. Don't check our bank account until well after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you can double our money. Oh, yeah. Easily. Absolutely. Easily. We'll be back again in two weeks then with another episode of Manushman. The preceding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? <laughs>